0: Welcome to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I am your sister co-host Elizabeth
1: Connor, and I'm your brother co-host Thomas Dempsey.
0: So, Thomas.
1: Hello, Elizabeth.
0: Hello. Uh, what yes. have you What have you not been reading since the last time we saw? Well, not te- not saw each other, but recorded.
1: Well, we did see each other, and uh, I guess that. Wasn't technically reading, so... Did we record an episode since then? No, I we had not. Was last weekend. Because that was just last weekend, okay, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I came and we all... The family came and visited and attended some ball games at y'all's place. Yep. Had ourselves a good time.
0: We did. But, it was really uh, nice. Been,
1: yeah, it was. Uh, got to go to that Italian... Not Italian. Irish... The Fourth uh, of Fourth of July, St. Patrick's Day <coughs> uh, festival, and get some green popcorn. Oh yes. Yeah, that's. Do you still got it?
0: Yeah. Um. I'm. I mean. I'm eating off of it, but I. I still have it.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's good. For li- for the listeners who don't know, if you ever if you have or have ever had one of those gourmet popcorn places that sells like the corn that's just like drenched in whatever that food coloring stuff is. So I actually saw a video on how they
0: make that popcorn. So what they do is like you mix just plain old regular sugar. You mix sugar with food coloring and you put the sugar into the same heating element as the popcorn and then Mm. And, like, the heat will make the sugar melt, and then when the popcorn pops, it gets, like, the coloring on it.
1: Yeah, I just know that old gourmet popcorn place was a big part of our childhood, and it closed down. Yeah. And so I've never really known where to go for that fix.
0: Well, I mean, technically there's, like, what is it, Mr. Poppington's?
1: Yeah. I think they're still open. Just traveling and what all. I've been doing a lot of non-reading. In fact... I have read all of one book for this episode. So... Is that the book for the challenge? To... Yes.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so, you might just indulge me if I uh, run a little long on the whole uh, what I've been up to uh, bent.
0: Okay, take it away. Uh,
1: yeah, sure thing. Well, I've definitely been great uh, playing a lot more video games. Uh... As you know, last time I was there, I brought my Xbox with me, and you got to see a little bit of a uh, of a uh, Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. I've got vlogged I've about thirty hours in that game so far, which, I mean, given compared to a lot of other people, isn't that much at all. Like, I think when I first started playing Breath of the Wild, like several years ago when it first came out, mm-hmm. I played about like a hundred hours in the first month alone. Yeah. So. I'm definitely taking more a leisurely pace with this one. However, I did have the, uh, the privilege of playing for Mom and Dad one evening when I got my uh, digital projector set up in the living room.
0: Yeah, Mom, Mom told me, I mean, like, she didn't go into specifics. She just said that, like, that was something that y'all did.
1: Yeah, I, uh, for Christmas, got a digital projector and a 120-inch projector screen. I don't know. You need a good bit of room to have it be at like full projection for that size. Mhm. Because that you need the projector to be a good ways away from the screen to get a larger image. Right. And uh and our our living room is still fairly cluttered with uh stuff that we're working through. Mhm. But uh, as far as like how I was able to get it working, it's still like a, like markedly larger than our present television mm-hmm. so you get that big screen experience and it's actually even got a uh pretty decent stereo on there as well like i was worried that i wouldn't be able to get the sound bar and what all that i bought for it to hook up mm-hmm. but barring that uh the noise you get coming out of it at the projector itself is actually pretty high quality so i was okay. happy for that i yeah i uh yeah.
0: I was just going to say, I just remember when you were living in uh, Atlanta, and like you and your roommate would take turns checking out a projector from the library.
1: Well, my roommate would take turns checking it out under both of our names, oh, because okay. he was employed at the media desk at the library, and the library uh, has a stock of digital projectors that students can check out, and so... For the better part of a semester, he just sort of checked it out repeatedly under each of our names, mm-hmm. and that was our sort of um, like big media viewing sort of mechanism for a good period of months there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm liking the projector; it's working well. Uh, liking these games I'm playing on it. Good. Like I said. Uh, Oh, this was fun. I did a, a dungeon crawl on Elden Ring where I f- came across this dungeon, and uh, there was it, you walk down and there's a treasure chest, and I figure something's up, but I hadn't exactly encountered anything like this before, so I just sort of take it slow. Mm-hmm. And of course, I walk up into the middle of the room and there's a big old pit pitfall mm. that I collapse down into, and I wake and I fall down into this dark cave and i have my torch so i can see what's around me and what is around me are giant man-eating rats oh bearing in mind, dad is watching this <laughs> yeah it's it wasn't like that dramatic but it was pretty funny uh and then i just um i I played that for a little while played a little bit of that sable game which is sort of an open world post-apocalypse where you're like in a desert and you're exploring spaceships and old ancient ruins and such yeah that's yeah and then i uh started playing a new game today that i'm uh looking feeling like i'm gonna be enjoying it's the latest kirby game for the nintendo switch oh man it's yeah, it's the first, like, fully 3D Kirby game. Or, I mean, fu- I say fully 3D, it is. But it's sort of like Crash Bandicoot 3D, where you're, uh... Unlike, um... It, uh, it, it's hard to explain, but basically you're just, like, moving along paths that are laid out. hmm So it's not... It, it's, it's a fun game, uh, just to be clear. It's just sort of, like not a radical reinvention of what a kirby game typically is right you have a fairly good under you have appreciation for that when i um when i was coming to visit you at your first place uh when you were teaching i would bring my wii with me and we'd play uh epic yarn yep co-op yep yeah that was a big bonding thing for us uh, I don't think we ever beat it but we got fairly a good bit into it mm-hmm yeah and that's just a gr- they they're just a really great series of chill games that are can be challenging if you want them to but you just sort of move along and interact with and it's just sort of innately satisfying
0: mm-hmm
1: so that's a lot of what I've been doing uh I've been trying to get in some reading. I've had a couple of books that I've been working on concurrently with uh, the challenge for this week, but one I just hadn't gotten around to finishing yet, and another I just full-on dropped because it was a overdue library book, Yeah. and I think it was somewhere in the vicinity of 600 pages, and I was presently at 23 pages in. Okay. I just did not see myself making much headway in the near future with it. Yeah, not that I didn't like enjoy it. I just, I don't know. Guess not really in the headspace for that sort of thing right now. Okay. But uh, how about you? What you been up to?
0: Um, let's see here. Since the last time we recorded, I had a a short week at work, and we're on because we're on like a modified year-round schedule. So the kids got a 4-day weekend, I got a 3-day weekend cuz there was a Thursday that the kids didn't have to come to school, but it was a teacher work day. Um so yeah. I had like a little mini vacation. That was when y'all came up cuz y'all came up Thursday and went home on Saturday. Yeah. Um I've been reading not a ton, but I've been reading and yeah. i don't know like just kind of like baseball's just kind of taken over our life
1: oh yeah um uh, it's the season 4
0: yeah that it is uh cuz my younger stepson he's currently playing for his school he's on the junior varsity team and um he's also the like the rec ball season is starting up And, um, so anyway, he's also been practicing for that and his junior varsity season is going to be ending, um, next week. The rec ball season starts this week, but there's a rule where unless you have permission from your school, you can't play games for both. Okay. Okay. So, he can't play any rec ball games until his junior varsity season's over. Hmm. He can practice, but he can't play games. Alrighty. Um.
1: I guess that, yeah.
0: Yeah, so. But anyway, yeah, and also, uh, Brian, uh, my husband, is, um, one of the coaches for his rec ball team, so we've also been busy because, like, we have to go to practice. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, definitely.
0: Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's just it takes up a lot of our time. Okay. Uh but it's been fun so far. And uh actually he we had some games today. He had a doubleheader. Uh and that was fun oh, to yeah. that was fun to watch. He he actually got to start the second game. Um Okay pretty, Oh, that's his good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's his first start the first time he started um this season uh, cuz he's also he's one of the younger players on the team um so anyway yeah. he he was he played center field and he had a couple of good at bats fun times
1: yeah he yeah it was uh it was fun watching him uh out there running bases last week
0: yeah last yeah when y'all came uh for he, for those games, he was a pinch runner for a couple of, for a couple of innings. Oh. Uh-huh. Alrighty. Um, uh, and there's then. There's nothing else, Well, yep. I was also going to say, and like, Bridgerton, season two came out this weekend, and I'm just sitting here like, man, I want to watch it, but like, I don't have time. <laughs> but. What's that? I said I want to watch Bridgerton season two because it came out this weekend, and I, I'm just like I just don't have time.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Have you read the book that it's based
0: on? Yeah, I have because I've read the first two books in that series. Um, yeah, and and they've already announced that Netflix has signed on for for them to make a season three and four. So yeah. I got to get to reading books three and four so that I know
1: what's going on. Okay. Does having that sort of foresight into things help any when it comes to like crying about stuff? Uh, well, I don't, I don't
0: really like cry in a ton. There's only certain circumstances that will make me cry in romance books. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's never happened, um but like with the historical romances no it doesn't typically happen because okay. because the cir- huh. because the circumstances in the book that have to be present to make me cry are not usually present in a historical romance novel.
1: Okay. But uh but you say that Bridgerton makes you cry. The show. Did I? I'm sorry. Why did you say you didn't want to watch it?
0: I said I do want to watch it. I don't have time to watch it.
1: Okay. I'm sorry. I'm... Wow. That is a wild (laughs) mishearing on my part. I thought you were saying that it was, like, going to make you cry or something, and you didn't want to do that. No. You were saying you didn't have the time.
0: I said I don't have the time. I want to watch it, but I don't have the time. Wow.
1: Okay. Well, good to know that even... With me slacking off on the reading front, I can still be a contributing (laughs) member of this podcast. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, as far as things to watch goes, uh, tomorrow's the Oscars. Oh. I've asked asked off work for the day. I could have just asked off a partial day, I suppose, but I wanted to make an event of it. Now that we know that my projector works well, I was going to get it all set up to watch the broadcast on the big screen Mm -hmm. and uh if you hadn't been following that there's a good bit of controversy surrounding this year's broadcast because they're taking uh like eight or so of the technical awards yeah or some of the less the like more low profile awards right and uh announcing them in a pre broadcast ceremony that will not be airing on uh that would not be aired live on the, like, main broadcast. They might be, like, showing footage of the winners, but, uh, yeah, they're cutting that out this year either to, like, make more time, uh, like, cut back on the time for the broadcast or to uh, make room for things I suppose ABC is wanting to do to try and drive up viewership. Because it's just sort of been declining viewership for years now on the Oscars and it's really at a point where there's no reason short of like contractual obligations I guess that they need to finish out that the Oscars aren't just their own thing like on a streaming platform or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for them not to just do it online and have people tune in that way. Right. Instead you've just got, they've just They're obligated, I think, for the next six years or so to have them air on ABC. And I guess ABC was the one sort of calling the shots with all these broadcast changes. Yeah. And there was, like, a lot of hopes that they'd have, like, be pressured into going back and doing things sort of as per usual. But, uh, like, doesn't seem like that's the way they're going with it, so... It'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, and and I don't I, uh, know. Part of me, part yeah. of me understands it from like a business uh, like from like a business aspect of like Yeah, um, you know, those are some pretty good reasons for maybe like cutting the um primetime presentation of those awards of those the awards that you were talking about, but at the same time, it's like those like the people who are winning those awards deserve the same amount of recognition as some of the more popular categories because it's still a you know it's yeah. still a prestigious award. These people st- these people worked very very hard to just be nominated, and yeah, now you're not gonna give them that kind of audience to. Because, like, I mean, you know, when it comes to some of the stuff, like the documentaries and, like, some of the animated shorts and stuff, I would have no clue if I didn't, like, if I had not watched the Oscars. Because that's right. just not within, like, those things are just not within the realm of my media consumership.
1: So, yeah, it's it's going to be a thing and people are going to be talking about it, uh, at least for a little while afterwards. So, and it, you honestly, know, the conversation.
0: And it does make me sad that like cuz like I, you know, yes, I I understand or like I know that the the viewership of the Oscars and that the opinion of the Oscars has like fairly drastically declined in the last couple of years and uh, rightly so um in some circumstances. But I don't know, like part of me is a little nostalgic for um you know, like, when I was younger and, like, people would have the Oscar watching parties and you would fill out your bracket and, you know, you would, like, do fancy little hors d'oeuvres or whatever just for you and your friends. Yeah. Like, part of me, like, misses the camaraderie around that evening.
1: Yeah, I uh, I got a handful of chances to really sort of enjoy that. Uh, ambiance when i was in atlanta attending film school Mm -hmm.
0: uh
1: film uh my one of my film studies professors held an annual oscar viewing party at his house and he had like an uh it's not an outbuilding it's essentially like a uh i don't even know what you call it it's like just a building in the back of his house that had like room for a sitting area it, it's not as ostentatious as like a banquet hall i guess you'd call it a reception hall maybe uh-huh so he had like a place in his backyard where they'd set up drinks and refreshments and they'd have a bunch of chairs and a big screen with the broadcast on it and people would do the whole oscars ballot vote thing and uh i I went a couple of years in a row to that and had a good time mm-hmm. but uh yeah, by and large, it's just sort of been like following people on social media see what all the buzz is about, yeah, I hadn't even hardly seen any of the movies nominated this year. I was uh thinking I might try and catch up on West Side Story and dune mm-hmm. at the very least, and they're both available on like h b o max so Uh, We'll see about that. You know, I I
0: genuinely don't know the last movie that I watched.
1: In a theater or just at all?
0: No, just at all. I mean, you know, I mean, I've watched movies. Um, Like, Brian and I have watched movies. But, like, I can't remember, like, what the most recent one is. Because we do it so rarely.
1: Yeah. And. Yeah. What was that movie he was wanting to show the other night? Oh, war! Was, you know what? Uh, that was
0: probably the what the last movie I saw was War Dogs. War Dogs with yeah. uh. Oh, with, the kid from Whiplash. Jonah Hill. Well, yeah, Jonah Hill's in it too, but the kid from Whiplash. Yeah. What's his name? Couldn't tell you. Something Teller.
1: Miles Teller.
0: Miles Teller. Yeah. So and and he's in it too.
1: Yeah. And it is a really not heard of and it is a super good movie. Yeah, and I'd heard about it. I just, uh, I don't know, didn't really seem up my alley at the time. Um,
0: I think at this point, I, I, feel like, I feel like at this point, like, I've seen it twice. And I, th- I
1: think Brian has watched it like three or four times. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like between reading and uh, video games and just general activities I engage with, my movie viewing has really sort of fallen off
0: mm-hmm
1: like uh i the last movie i saw in theaters was licorice pizza when um uh, i was sort of had it in my head to make a push to catch up on all the oscar nominees right but the, i like i saw that and i was like okay that's a good start mm-hmm. and then i did nothing with it yeah and uh yeah i don't know it's just um. I feel like you're still in a headspace after the last couple of years of not so much, like, eagerly going out to see movies. Right. I mean, I, I'm I'm all vaxxed up. I'm comfortable going to theaters. I just, we've talked about going to go see the Batman. Mm-hmm. And I know Mom uh, is interested in going out to see it, and so that, I think that'd be a good experience for her. I don't think she's been to see a movie since, like, Wonder Woman or something like that.
0: Right. You know what? I think the last, I think, I think possibly the last movie I went to go see in a theater was um, Teen Titans.
1: Yeah, I remember you talking about that.
0: (laughs) For Andrew's birthday. (laughs) Yeah. And that was way back in 2018. That was four years ago.
1: (laughs) Rousers. That is a minute. I feel like we've been talking no books a good while now. That we have. Uh, how, how much you've been reading outside of the prescribed sort of what's on? So
0: I read four books um, apart from the book for our challenge. And yeah. uh, three of those books are from the same series. Okay. So well, you want to? you want to take a break and then when we come back I can talk about it?
1: Yeah, when we get back we'll just do all books and uh, then we can uh, get things going. Okie dokie. And we're back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. Uh, got a bit of a light episode this week, reading-wise, but uh, leading us into it, Elizabeth is going to be telling us what she's been looking into. Okay, the floor is yours.
0: Alrighty, so um, apart from... The book that I assigned for this week's challenge, I read four books, and the first three are from a series. Um, they are from the Alien Gladiator Kings series by the last name is Chambers, the first name is J O V E. So I don't know if that's Jove or if that's Hove or I don't know. Okay. So anyway, Chambers. Go ahead. Sure. Um so uh what the pre- so actually this series is a pretty interesting pre- is a pretty interesting premise. Um all three books is about like like explores the relationship between a human woman and a um other other species male. Um Okay. And so Basically, the world uh, the, the way that uh, Chambers has set up the world is you find out like what kind of universe these characters are living in throughout the entire series. Like through as you go throughout the, the series, like more and more details are given to you to be like to like fully flesh out what kind of conditions these people are living in. Mm-hmm. So where they are in the universe. Um, it is, it is controlled by a race of, by a race called the Toth, T-O-T-H, the Toth. Yeah. And, um, something happened to the Toth, you don't really, you don't ever really find out what, but something happened to the Toth to make their females, like, die out. So there's, like, there were, like, no females, or there were, like, very, very few females, and so the Toth race was... was extremely concerned with with you know becoming extinct, so they they find mm-hmm. a wormhole which takes them to earth, okay, and they realize that they are compatible regard like in regarding um
1: uh, I, I I feel like that goes without saying with all these series, yeah,
0: basically, although not yeah. always. There's another. There's a book in the series where we go. We go into that in a little bit more detail. Um, but they find okay. out that they are compatible with uh, humanity, and so they, you know, enslave a couple hundred thousand. Oh boy! <laughs> and they bring them back through the wormhole, and they perform like horrendous experiments on them, and they, uh, you know, and they start to build back up their race using the human women. They also have kidnapped human men so in order to produce like more purebred humans so that the mm. hu- so that the human race doesn't die out because, oh by the way, once they come back through, the wormhole closes and they can't get back to earth to get more humans. Oh, okay. So they like they also they set up like a colony on a planet for the humans. Um, and only humans can live in that colony. And, and all this stuff. So, anyway, the Toth like two things for entertainment. hmm Extreme violence and sex.
1: Right.
0: So, what they do is they have a gladiator series. Um, they have a gladiator series where... Uh, they have gone around to the different races within this specific galaxy or within specific galaxies that they rule, and they kidnap the, um, the leader of that particular race, and they're mm-hmm. like, we can either kill all of you now, or you can sign a contract, and you can come be, come be a gladiator for us in our gladiator series and therefore yep. protect your like your race. So Okay. So in each of these 3 books, the male the 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 male protagonist, like they are authority figures within their race, um but they were taken from their homes at a fairly young age, and so there's been a lot of trauma. Okay. And so basically what this series and what these books do is it really kind of deep dives into um, how do you process trauma while also trying to establish a healthy romantic relationship. Right. And they're really well written in terms of like that aspect of it, in terms of like the interpersonal relationship part. Um, Like the spicy scenes are good but they can be weird. You sure? Especially the last one that I read. Okay. And, um, anyway, and I thought it was only supposed to be a trilogy. Uh, there is a fourth book coming out, but it's not coming out till July. Right. So, those were three of the books that I read. The Alien, the Alien King Gladiator series by... Jove or Jove Chambers. That was three of them. And then the fourth book was The Marriage Debt by Clarissa Wilde. And it's a mafia romance. Um, yeah. What makes this one a little bit different is uh, it takes place in the Netherlands. Okay. Most of them take place in New York or Chicago. Right. Um, or New Jersey. But this one is in the Netherlands. And. Um, but like it's really easy to forget that. Like you'll be reading and you're like, okay, da 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 da. Oh yeah, that's right. It's in the Netherlands. Um, and so what? So what the marriage debt is about is there's these two families, the the DeVosses and the Bazes, and Jill Baz um, was set up to marry. Liam DeVos, who is the brother of the male protagonist in this book. Because the DeVos family, like, they decided that Liam was going to be the heir, even though he wasn't the oldest. And then the Baz family, I guess they decided that Jill was going to be the heir, even though she wasn't the oldest. And they were Mm going to marry those two together to combine, like, these mafia empires. Okay. Well, Luca DeVos, Liam's brother... hears about this and he's like he's obsessed with jill and he always has been so he goes so he goes and he visits jill and things happen and then he tells her um that like by the way our families are marrying you off to my brother and then he like leaves so then she goes to i guess their house like liam's house And uh, Lucas shows up and she's and he sees Jill kissing Liam and he like breaks out into a rage. He tries to kill his brother and all this stuff. Jill gets Liam away from there. They're driving. She gets distracted. She drives off of a cliff. She is she escapes the car and Liam doesn't escape the car. So now Liam is dead and Jill is being accused of murdering him, even though it was an accident and so the DeVos right. family is like, well, you're going to pay for it. And so what does she do? She runs away for three years. Okay. Um, and then Makes she, sense. And then she comes back because uh, Luca has decided that he's going to marry her sister, Jasmine. And Jill doesn't want mm-hmm. Jasmine to have to, like, put up with that. So she steps in and she's like, I'll marry you instead. And then that's where the story goes on from there.
1: Oh, Okay. That's pretty neat.
0: And there are some some fairly significant trigger warnings with this book. Uh it it kind of it deals with um it deals with uh, risky risky uh risky types of play. Um okay. I mean, I'm not going to go into depth, but like it does. Uh it also deals with yes. issues of like dubious consent.
1: Yes. So okay.
0: So there's that. So that's yeah. the marriage debt by Clarissa wild. All right. All right.
1: Well, I think, uh, time, main event time,
0: main event time. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, for the reading challenge this week, we were to read your ad could be here by, uh, hold on. I've got it pulled up here. Um, uh, Oksana Zabusko. Mm-hmm. The uh, theme of this challenge was to read a book by a Ukrainian author, and uh, you gave me the uh, you gave us the option of picking between a novel and a short story collection. Mm-hmm. we went with the collection. How did you uh, find reading a short story collection versus reading a novel?
0: Um. I- See, I guess to like I don't know in some ways it's almost more satisfying because you get to finish each like you get to finish each story like f- like quickly um sure. so having the satisfaction of the final of like reading the final act uh and kind of getting that dopamine like in quicker and quicker bursts like that's nice, yeah. Um, but I always, like, I always end up reading short story collections, like, in order, unless, you know, yeah. it's, like, obviously for a class or something, and the teacher wants us to read them out of order, but I, I've just always read them front to back in the order that they are. I think that would be different if, like, I was to choose an anthology, you know, something that's got, like, oh. I don't know, 30 short stories in it.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. I uh I have a bunch of short story collections I've been meaning to catch up on and I just don't get as drawn to them as novels. I feel like you uh, you tend to think of them as having, I guess, more defined hooks in terms of re- bringing a reader in. And also like as far as having a book be read, you almost feel like there's going to be more to say about a novel than necessarily a short story collection mm-hmm. which isn't always true like last year i read several short story collections that i thought were really satisfying mm-hmm. but uh it's just sort of a headspace you get in and with this book in particular especially because i was reading it on my phone right I'm typically a uh, a uh, physical media uh, person when it comes to books um yeah i just sorta of had some difficulties in the early goings just getting into it. Mm-hmm. And I think a problem with uh contributing to that was that the first story uh or one of the earlier stories is by far the longest. Yeah. In the book. I think uh the tale of the
0: It's the what is the it? The Flute. The Gilder
1: Rose flute. Yeah. Yeah. That's like uh like the lar- the longest story in the book. And before that were two sort of did you take the more modern narratives to be to did you interpret them as being loosely autobiographical yes okay I wasn't sure uh, if that was a fair assumption but they did seem to be drawing on that sort of experience
0: especially I now granted the the novel that was going to be our other option if you know you had picked the novel um, is a uh, you what is it like a Ukrainian field guide to sex work or something? Yeah. Um, I have not read that, but I do know for a fact that that is loosely auto that that's like a fictionalized biography, basically. Right. Um, it's very and and so it, to me, reading some of these stories was very much like okay, knowing what I know about like her most famous novel. It's not too much of a stretch to be like, alright, yeah, you're, you're imbuing your personal experiences here.
1: Yeah. And uh, with this collection, it seems like at least a solid half of all the stories are in that vein. Yeah. You've got the first two, Oh Sister, My Sister, and Girls. Uh, the first dealing with um, her sort of recollections of her youth and uh, a traumatic experience. Uh, like the family being sort of hounded by like Soviet era secret police, mm-hmm. and the, her mom's subsequent uh, sort of traumatic abortion, right? In the wake of like government crackdowns, mm-hmm. and then the one after that, girls being more of a confessional type story about her remembrances of a childhood friend and lover Mm -hmm. who she sort of betrayed and has like carried a burden of grief with her into adulthood Mm -hmm. and then you've got uh, an album for gustav which reads more like a a work of journalism yeah with uh, multiple perspectives but that's was set during the um October Revolution I want to say back in 2004 Mm -hmm. which was I think uh, one of the early times that um, uh, or one of the last times that uh, Ukraine came into conflict with Russia before the present Mm -hmm. uh, conflict and then of course and then you've got the titular uh, story your ad could go here which is a relatively lighter account of her like trying to track down a uh, tailor who made a special pair of gloves for. Her. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that's also the shortest one in the book by a good bit. And, uh, when you read a short story, do you prefer like the longer or the shorter?
0: Um, I prefer the, the short, like, I guess short to medium. Um, mm-hmm. I, so, uh, in every short story collection I've ever read, uh, nine times out of ten, I have a love-hate relationship with the longest story. Because, like, the longest story is, like, always novella length and usually takes yeah. up about half of the page space Right. in the, in the book. Um, but, like, that's very much how I felt about the the, the gluter, is it the gilder, the gluter rose flute?
1: Yes, how do you per- rose flute. Yeah,
0: um, that's how I felt about that one. Uh, when I read and George that, Saunders' Pesteralia that's how I felt about that one. Um, there's an,
1: another story here: No entry to the performance hall after the third bell, which, by page count at least, is about as long. Uh huh. But I think maybe because that was the final book and the final story in the book, and you know that you're coming up on the end, it read a bit more fleetly. Yeah. Then, uh. It did. The Gilder Rose.
0: Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. Because okay. when you, when, I don't know, like, me mentally, when I'm getting to the last, I don't know, when I'm getting down to, like, the last 75 pages, like, I feel like those always go by quicker than the first 75. Yeah. Um, or even, like, um the middle 75, but. Uh, but yeah, so I, I always have a love-hate relationship with whatever I perceive, whatever is truly the longest, uh, story in a, in a collection or what is perceived by me to be the longest story in a collection.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, which of these stories was your favorite?
0: Um, so the, so honestly, like the first two stories, um really really resonated with me I mean I love the whole thing I I really did enjoy like the entire collection I really uh I also was like like I was reading it and I was like man I'm so glad I picked this book because not only do I feel like is it relevant to the things that are going on in the present day over in that part of the country it's also like very uh female and feminist gays oriented and marches like international women's month so look at that go me
1: yeah
0: um but the first two stories
1: um hold on i gotta pull up those titles oh sister my sister and girls
0: yeah so oh sister my sister and girls um the, the the first two stories just really really resonated with me because The first one, Oh Sister, My Sister, like, just really made me, um, kind of think about, it made me think about, like, the issue of abortion in a different way.
1: Yeah.
0: And without really getting into too much of, like, what my personal beliefs are about that, um... I appreciated how she presented, how she presented it. Like it was very factual. It was heartbreaking. This is what the mom experienced. This was the, this was the reactions of the medical professionals that the mom had to deal with. This is, you know, how the mom felt about that. Like I loved how she outlined all of those things in the book. It felt like it just felt very, very it felt like a very real, that was like the first moment that I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure this might be a little autobiographical or else she, right. you know, she or else she did like a crap ton of research about this before she wrote yeah. it down. Um, and then, uh, so anyway, that's why I love the first story. And I, I personally think that every, uh, I'm not going to say woman, I'm going to say a uterus having person. Okay. should should read that story um even if that's the only story they read, I feel like they should read that one um, and then right. with girls, like girls just reminded me a lot of like my relationships with other women um and just you know like having having gone to an all girls college and you know I went to an all girls college like from a co-ed high school. But when I was in high school, I was one of those girls who was, who like had a lot of internalized misogyny. And I was like, well, I don't like being friends with girls because girls are too much drama. I like being friends with Mm. boys. And, and then how that narrative, and then how my personal narrative regarding all of that changed when I got to college and I was forced to be around women all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that's why I liked girls the most is because like parts of it like really, really reminded me of the things I had to confront when I was in undergrad. Uh, so what about you? What well, were your favorite uh, stories?
1: Okay, well the one that uh stood out most for me and um it's certainly I think probably the most high concept outside of just like the more Fable like uh, Tell of the uh, Gilder Rose Flute Mm -hmm. was the one right after that, I'm Elena, Mm -hmm. about the uh, talk show host and her sort of like fragmenting identity. Okay. There's this uh, book I read the other year called um, Hopscotch, not Hopscotch, uh, Close Up by Julio Cortazar it's another short story collection and he sort of deals in similar themes in several of his stories that sort of like frag- fragmenting of identity and perspective and so the concept of this book is like the uh, uh the talk show host starts to like starts to like manifest as two separate people Mm -hmm. like the person she is at home and the person she is in front of the camera Mm -hmm. and those two people like are brought into conflict in like a literal way Mm -hmm. and it's like very sort of like dense and esoteric as to what's supposed to be metaphorical and what's supposed to be like magical realism Mm -hmm. but uh it's definitely I think a strong balance of that like medium length story you were talking about. Yeah. Where it sort of builds up its premise, it uh has a couple of like inciting incidents and then everything just sort of rapidly spirals out from there. And uh Yeah, it's just got like some interesting concepts at the core of it that uh you can just sort of mull over. And then after that was the more journalistic uh, story, an album for Gustav, Mm -hmm. wherein like two people sort of give their um, sort of parallel perspectives of that uh, revolution that took place. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just really sort of enlightening both to that general mood and uh, like experience of those events. Yeah. I think really has a lot to say about uh, politics and like national identity, cultural identity, uh, like personhood, mortality, just a whole range of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, those are probably like the strongest, the the most uh, engaging, I guess, reads for me personally. Okay. Yeah. Um. But I did. I also enjoyed all of it. Uh, Uh. like I said, I think ta- the Tale of the Gilder Rose Flute, being on the longer side, took me the longest of any of these to read. Right. I think I sort of came at it uh, in multiple passes, whereas most of the rest of these I could sort of read in uh, like a single burst. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, on the whole, I really enjoyed it. And I'd definitely be down for checking out more of her work because it sounds like she's been pretty prolific. Yeah. At least in terms of, like, I can't speak to what all has been published in English, but...
0: Yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know how much, like, you looked into this, but, like, when I was... uh, While I was reading the book and, like, before I read the book, because uh, each story is either written by different translators or like a team of translators where it's like this this story might be translated by this one person and then that person will has collaborated with some other people on a different story but it's not like yeah. the same translator did every single story. Um, but anyway as I was kind of like looking at the translators like and then like going through her backlog I did notice that there were two particular translators who, fairly consistently work with um her with her uh with what she's released in English and the first one of them is a, uh, Helena Hearn yeah and then the other one was oh Nina Murphy Murray okay. Nina Murray
1: Murray alright
0: yeah so I don't know I kind of like that too because like your ad could go here like that, that this is her most recent publication and i know the first one uh, hearn um she translated the very first her first novel like back in 2004 right and then nina murray translated i think the second like uh, i think uh zabuzko's second book to get an english translation Okay. So like I just appreciated that they took two translators who are already familiar with this author and that's who they used to translate
1: this work. Well, I think we both really like this book and um uh happy that you gave it to us uh for discussion.
0: Me too. Go me. Yeah.
1: Yep. Now um I'll just uh put this out here obviously since I uh only read this book that hasn't really done much to change up the numbers on my reading totals mm-hmm. uh, you fact you figured out that the word total for your ad could go here was about 76,944 yeah which brings my word total up to 1,414,930 mm-hmm. so uh yeah i think i'm still like at about where i was last time as far as like Percentage. percentage
0: is yeah okay um so i read a total of five books in the interim uh for yeah. a subtotal of three hundred ninety thousand six hundred thirty, which brings my total okay. word count to three million twenty eight thousand three hundred six words um that puts me at 30 percent of last year's reading goal or
1: last year's okay, reading that's so that's a pretty good pace yeah Alrighty. So, uh, we're, I think we're about fixing to wrap things up, but I believe you are due for another reading challenge for us.
0: Yes, I am. Um, in the book I picked, I think it's still okay that I picked this book, even though I got my months wrong. Because I was like, oh, April is, uh, like, Asian Heritage or Asian American Heritage Month. And it, that's not right. <laughs> that's May. Um, but anyway. Okay so the, the book but i was like you know what i already picked this book so i'm just gonna go ahead and pick it so
1: yeah, it'll be coming up on may when we get around to it yeah
0: so, so it, it's good enough um so the book that i chose is a book that i feel like everyone has read except me so now okay. i'm like i have to read this because i feel like i have to read it at some point in my life good. all right um and that's the joy luck club <laughs>
1: Okay. I've never read The Joy read Luck Club. Either. Yeah, you were sort of hyping it up like maybe I've read this book. You don't know.
0: I, I Well, I don't know. You could have read it.
1: No, I haven't. But, uh, yeah, I've heard of it, definitely.
0: So, yeah. So, for our next challenge, we're going to be reading uh, The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan.
1: Okay. Sounds good. And, uh, look forward to that look forward to getting back on my read and grind i'll try to not let myself get so sidelined yeah uh in the weeks ahead okay need to get back in the swing of things
0: you can do it
1: yeah i have thank faith you. i appreciate it and i appreciate all our listeners for tuning in this week uh elizabeth you want to let them know where they can find us
0: Yeah, so you can find us um, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And if you have a recommendation or a question for us, you can email us at yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. And that's how you can reach us. Alrighty,
1: Sounds good. And uh, tune in two weeks from now when we'll be discussing the Lincoln Highway by... Uh, Amor and and more Towels Did we ever land on the pronunciation for that? Nope Alright, so look forward to that and as always we like to wrap things up here with our own little catchphrase Goodbye Goodbye